0: On November 28th, the Jewish holiday of Hanukkah was ushered in with the lighting of the first candle on the menorah at Park Street Station in downtown Boston. The holiday celebrates the victory of the small band of Jewish men, the Maccabees, and the retaking and rededication of the temple in Jerusalem after a three-year war. Hanukkah is also called the miracle of lights because what they thought was just one day's supply of oil to light the temple miraculously kept the temple lit for eight days. The holiday is observed for eight days and eight nights by lighting an additional candle each night and placing it on the menorah. Governor Baker and Boston Mayor Wu were in attendance and the holiday was celebrated with the festive singing and dancing of the participants as the 22-foot high menorah glowed in the night. The message of Hanukkah is called the holiday of lights. Darkness involves people in in physically and emotionally and and has an effect. And one little light brings so much warmth and chases away so much more darkness. A a light, a candle, is a half an inch. It spreads feet and feet around it. We have that ability. Every small act of warmth and light gets rid of a lot of coldness and darkness. The message of Hanukkah is a message of light joy and hope. That's really the message of Hanukkah. And the beauty is that uh, lighting a candle, lighting your own candle, sharing the light with others doesn't cost anything. When you're bright, when you have a message of warmth, of light and goodness, it passes on and it just shares automatically with others. So I really think the message that Hanukkah shares with us, especially in an age of, uh, you know, where we're so much uncertainty and, and difficulty is, You can be bright, you can brighten up other people's lives, and uh, together, collectively, we can make this entire place, the entire world, a brighter, better, more positive place.
1: And in this season, as we're thinking
0: about what it means, amidst tremendous upheaval and challenge, to find the light in ourselves and each other, to come together, despite the many forces keeping us apart, despite how much we are trying to stay isolated, we need each other. And we are showing in this city and every action that we take that we can follow these same lessons of this holiday season, of courage and perseverance to triumph and of making sure that light will spread, will be contagious. So I'm so honored. Happy Hanukkah and, and happy holidays to everyone.
2: The eight days of light, which is really what that menorah stands for and represents was by any standard unexplainable. And the other word for unexplainable is miracle. And in some respects, especially in times like these, I think it's important for us to all remember that every day, somewhere, someplace, there are little miracles happening. And they involve acts of grace and kindness and generosity, and they are, in fact, the light that pushes out the darkness which is what this menorah and this Eight Days of Light stands for and represents.
0: On December 1st, Erin Murphy, with her mother alongside, was sworn in as a Boston City Councilor at large at Boston City Hall. The Dorchester native graduated from UMass Boston and received a master's in education from Fitchburg State University. She went on to teach in the Boston Public Schools for 22 years. At 45 years old, she started running marathons to raise awareness and raise funds for substance abuse disorders and mental health recovery services in Boston. Her priorities include access to a quality education in every neighborhood, increasing access to recovery services, and safety on our streets through more community policing. She will join the three other at-large city councilors, incumbents Michael Flaherty and Julia Mejia, and newcomer Ruth Z. Lujan on the council.
2: As a school teacher for over 20 years I do have that expertise so I know where we can do better, where we really need to roll up our sleeves and you know what we really need to fight for. So every family, every child has a quality school across the city, that's important to me. And the crisis on mass and caste is something that I know we're going to have to all come together on. Not everyone has different ideas but we are never going to come up with solutions and make it better if we don't work together and just put everything on the table and try whatever we can. I want to focus on education, public health, mental health, and also senior and veteran outreach. I know through the pandemic it really showed many people that the isolation was really hard and I think that that's important. That we have a counselor who understands and is going to really advocate for those people in our city.
0: Aaron Murphy will be a welcome addition to the Boston City Council. uh, An experienced educator uh, teaching uh, in the Boston Public Schools for over 20 years Uh, will add a great strength. uh, We talk about one of our most important and fundamental obligations is the education of our children. The fact that we will have a frontline school teacher now as a member of the legislative body as we guide uh, our schools into the future. So we're excited to have Erin uh, on board, uh, being sworn in today uh, to fulfill the vacancy created by uh, our new mayor, Mayor Wu. Uh, and then she'll obviously have an opportunity uh, come January to start a full uh, term
2: on her own. City Councilor Erin Murphy will be an exceptional leader on the Boston City Council. She spent her entire career as an educator in our public school system. She understands the challenges of our school um, schools and in our, in our school children and families. I also know she's spent her entire life as well helping people dealing with substance use issues and getting people into treatment. So that type of background will be a tremendous asset to the City Council. It's being, being there for the residents on public health issues, on public education issues, and she has an exceptional work ethic and integrity. So I, I know she's going to be an outstanding member of the Boston City Council.
0: On the evening of December 2nd, the group, Vigil in Support of Black Lives Matter, met in Jamaica Plain to show their support and stand in solidarity with Black Lives Matter. The group comes together once a month to hear from community leaders of color regarding the systemic racism and the injustice woven into the fabric of our society, which has dire results for persons of color. During the vigil, there was a reading of some of the names of victims of racial violence, and each name was reflected upon by the participants. Towards the end of the vigil, those in attendance stood silently with their signs along the curb on Center Street, so that the passing motorists had the opportunity to reflect upon the victims of racial violence in our society as well.
2: People have knee-jerk reactions to things or react differently depending on the race of someone without even realizing it. And so I think that that's um, a part of how things get so bad. And then you have numbers, the numbers that, that you have in terms of inequities. Um, because people are responding in ways that they're not aware of. And if you don't know it and you don't name it, then you can't change it, and and it perpetuates. It's so built into the fabric of our country and the way that things, um, status quo, white supremacy, that's all just sort of always there and and considered to be just normal, and it's not. The uh, inequities, uh, the injustices that black and brown and indigenous people in our in our culture are subjected to aren't tolerable and the only way we can we can change this is by changing a lot of minds and we have to be out here every month every every time we can and raise attention so that uh, sooner or later uh, people we, we've got some critical mass and and uh... people's minds change or they understand something differently it's because the killing isn't over And when when my friends who are black, when my friends who are brown and and indigenous feel safe in all the same places that I feel safe then we don't need any more rallies.
1: We're here six years later to say that black lives still matter, especially as we recover from the pandemic. City Life just released a report showing that 70 percent of evictions happen in census tracts where the majority of people are people of color. So we're still dealing with a huge problem of evictions in the black and brown community, And folks are still out here because we still need actual change. We need our legislators to step up and and give us actual change. And here in Massachusetts, we're fighting for the housing equity, the COVID housing equity bill that would help a lot of people right now as we recover from the pandemic. And our legislators have not taken the appropriate action that we need. So we're gonna be here every month saying Black Lives Matter.
0: On December 3rd, seniors held a rally in front of the Turtle Swamp Brewery in Jamaica Plain. The group is demanding that the owner of the brewery drop his lawsuits to block the 38-unit affordable housing project for low-income seniors in a building next door to his business. The new building will also house the Embajador restaurant. One of the owner's objections is that with the increase in tenants in the immediate area, his customers at the brewery will have a more difficult time trying to park when visiting his establishment. As the city's population and economy grow, housing is becoming more costly and scarce, especially for the elderly, many of whom are on fixed incomes. The senior population find themselves being priced out of the Boston housing market and contend that there is a need for more affordable housing for seniors now more than ever.
1: A 2019 report by UMass Genetology proved what we seniors already know. Six in 10 Massachusetts seniors do not have the c- income to meet basic needs. Massachusetts ranks 50th. Mm. Now, it doesn't take Einstein to figure yep. it out. Yep. There's only 50 states That's in the right. United States. Right. So where are we? We're at the bottom, the bottom. For, the bottom. for senior insecurity. Yep. So guess what? We need help. Yes. And we need it when? Now! There should be no reason to be out here picketing
2: to put 38 units of senior housing in a high-density area where there are 1,200 people in
1: shelters who are 50 and over. They are not even on the list for housing because they can't even get on the list for housing. That's how serious the housing problem is for seniors in Boston. Each day there are about 1,200 people over the age of 50 that are in shelters, that they're couch surfing, or living with family members that don't have room and sometimes even do not treat them well. These 38 units might seem like a drop in a bucket, But it's a lifeline for somebody that has been waiting years for a unit of their own. We want Monte Gold and Turtle Swamp to do the right thing. Drop the lawsuit, let this be built, and we can mitigate the parking issue. They already only have limited parking. Low income seniors do not have cars. This is not going to hurt their business. As a matter of fact, seniors could be good neighbors to Turtle Swamp. And we want them to see this
0: and drop the lawsuit. I mean, I just think it's so obvious to so many of us that we shouldn't even have to be out here in the cold, a bunch of seniors talking about how we need 39 more units of senior housing. We're having a conversation for some reason because one business owner wants to have a little bit more parking around his business. And so he's keeping those seniors from getting housed here in Jamaica Plain. And like across the city, we've got too many seniors who don't have permanent low income housing to stay in the communities they helped build. I mean, this one is a no brainer. And we are going to keep agitating until we get him to drop this lawsuit and we get these units built. On December 3rd, seniors and affordable housing advocates marched in solidarity with Stephanie Rouse, a senior and longtime leader of the APM Tenant Association. Recently, she was awarded damages for living in an apartment with substandard living conditions owned by Advanced Property Management. When she stood up for her rights by asking for an increase in damages, The management company responded by refusing to give her the same new five-year contract that they gave to all other APM tenant association leaders. City Life is contesting this treatment given to her. They contend that all tenants have the right to seek just compensation for damages incurred by corporate landlords and not to be targeted for standing up for their rights.
1: Being a grandmother and having grandchildren and have survived cancer, she's brought up her family. It's a a travesty to think that, you know, they don't give a damn about her. She's a human being. Humans deserve to have a home. And in Massachusetts, six out of 10 seniors cannot afford to live in Massachusetts, but this is where we live. This is where we were born, we worked, we brought up our families, and we just wanna be comfortable. We're just asking to have a roof over our head food on the table, and heat. And they just don't want us to have it. They are targeting her uh, because she's seeking APM to reconsider and pay her out for the three years of damages she's lived with cooking with a dysfunctional stove. Her apartment is in disrepair. And it's not fair for any tenant who's seeking better conditions to be faced with more discrimination by their corporate landlord. And you know, the tenant deserves, Madame Ruse deserves, to have this motion reconsidered because she's already, like, paid these damages with struggling so much in her apartment for three years and with, with a negligent landlord. Stephanie
2: Rouse is one of our, one of our firm leaders of the APM Tenant Association. She, along with about another 20 leaders, were all being evicted no fault by APM. And we settled all those cases in 2019 as we went in line with our collective bargaining goals. And Stephanie was the only one they actually took to court. We fought her her in court um, with a jury trial, and she won that case. But unfortunately, the damages given were not not in line with what we thought should have been given. So we went back to court yesterday to try to increase the damages. But mainly we're trying to get her the same five-year contract that all the other tenant leaders got and that APM seems to be steadfastly refusing to give her. So that's just plain greed, and we oppose it, and we're
0: we're going to stand with Stephanie. She's a grandmother, a great-grandmother, who continues to provide for her family, but still has to endure a a landlord management company that refuses to make repairs continuously. Um, Doesn't matter how many notices, how many letters she sends. Uh, She's been great on her own. She sent letters, um, and there's been over 20 work orders that it took to get the landlord to take actions here. Um, And even to this day, she doesn't have a long-term lease. And so uh, what we're doing out here is really just trying to support her um, and to to make sure that the landlord knows um, that she is a person, she's a leader in this community, and this can't be tolerated.